Our gospel lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. This is chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw the slave into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Today's story invites a little calculation. A character in the story owes a debt of 10,000 talents. My Bible's footnotes tell me that's equal to 15 years' worth of earnings for a laborer. Assuming a laborer might be something like today's minimum wage earner, and assuming the federal minimum wage of $7.25 at 40 hours a week at 52 years times 15, 52 weeks a year times 15 years times 10,000. The servant in our story owed the king $150,800,000. Now that is a mighty big number for a story that is actually quite simple. At the plea of a debtor, a debt is forgiven. The debtor then fails to extend the same forgiveness when someone pleads with him. And as punishment for this ungrateful and ungenerous behavior, the original forgiveness is revoked and the debtor comes to an unhappy end. But just as Texans like to proclaim that everything's bigger in Texas, sometimes everything's bigger in a parable. Exaggeration renders the telling more vivid and strange. Big numbers, big personalities, big choices, big emotions. Today's parable is beyond big. It is operatic. Everything is bigger in opera. Now, Glenn, Bonnie, Hal, my Webster's Third defines operatic as noisily histrionic, but I think of it simply as grand in scale. This is no mere parable. This is an opera. 
On its most obvious level, this opera is a story about forgiveness, which makes it suitable for grand-scale treatment because forgiveness is a grand-scale topic. Forgiveness implies hurt, and hurt is a big part of human life. Hurt is everywhere, in casual encounters, in friendships, in the workplace, in our homes. Hurt, if you can believe this, is even present in the church. Consider the setting of this parable. Just prior to this story came Jesus' instructions on how to handle hurt in the church. Jesus began that with, if another member of the church sins against you, and then he spelled out a process of negotiation, mediation, and arbitration in hope of resolution. All very well and good, but leave it to Peter to cut to the chase. Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many, Peter pauses and thinks of a ridiculously high number, as many as seven times? To which Jesus answers famously, not seven times, but I tell you 77 times. Some translations say 70 times seven. And he adds, for this reason, that is, because you must forgive over and over again, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then comes this parable. The need for constant forgiveness is the reason the kingdom of heaven is the way it is. It's like a story about ongoing forgiveness. The Greek word used for forgive is this text's most interesting word because it has so many uses and appears so many times throughout the New Testament. It is a word of leaving behind and letting go. The word translated as forgive is also the word used when Jesus heals someone. For example, when he heals Peter's mother-in-law, the word that tells us the fever left her is the same word. It's the verb that Jesus uses when he says, let the dead bury their dead, or let the wheat and tares grow together. Leave them. Let them alone. Release them. If someone takes away your coat, release to him your cloak as well. Let it go. It's the verb used when the shepherd lets go of 99 sheep to look for one more. And it is the verb used in Mark when Jesus lets go of his last breath. Forgiveness is a kind of power, a power to let go. Where does that power come from? Maybe from being rich. Consider how rich the king in the story must have been to let go of a debt like that just because someone asked him to. So abundant are his stores that he doesn't actually need to be paid back. Were his stores not so full, then a debt of that size could destroy him, meaning the debtor would have a certain power over the king. But because the king has all he needs, he also has all the power. Now the king did think at first of selling the man and the man's whole family into slavery as a way of getting some of his money back. But the man hears him planning to do this, and so he pleads with the king, have patience with me, and I will pay you. 
And the king is so moved by his pleas that instead of giving him what he asked for, which is more time, he simply forgives the entire debt. He lets it go. We can see, can't we, how the kingdom of heaven might be something like that? How God has the power to freely and compassionately release our debts because God's stores are so abundantly and endlessly full. God's forgiveness doesn't mean that what we've done or haven't done is okay. It means that God is okay. God has all God needs. God is whole. And that gives God the power to let go. Just like this king. What a happy ending for the hapless debtor. The impossible debt is forgiven. The servant departs the presence of the king as the chorus sings and the curtain closes. End of Act 1. Now in Act 2, of course, the plot thickens. As the curtain opens, the former debtor, on his way out of the palace gate, comes upon a fellow servant who owes him about $5,800. Instantly, he grabs this fellow servant by the throat and begins to choke him, snarling, pay me what you owe. This debtor falls to the ground and speaks the very same words that his brutal creditor just said to the king, have patience with me and I will pay you. Now, you would think the echo of his own words would tug at this bully's conscience, but instead it seems to throw him into further rage, so that far from releasing his fellow from obligation, he casts him into prison until he would pay the debt. Now, of course, there's no way to pay a debt once you're in prison. Perhaps the bully will send some thugs to beat the payment out of this man's wife and children. The magnificence of this story is the vivid contrast between two types of power. There's the power of the king, calm, reasoned, confident in his own wholeness, more interested in everyone's benefit than in making a show of force, a big power with plenty of room for compassion. And then there is the power of the small-time bully, we might extrapolate from his behavior here that he approaches every relationship as a transaction. What can I get out of this person? Because his own store is always and utterly depleted. We might deduce that this spiritual poverty makes him constantly afraid, and he beats back the fear with the only tools he has, threat and violence. But guess who saves the day? The community. See how the king finds out what the bully has done. The other servants tell him. They have witnessed the bullying, and they are greatly distressed. And as a community, they agree not only to reject the behavior, but to take it to a higher power. So together, they go to the king. I imagine this as a star turn for the chorus, arrayed before the king, singing out the whole sordid story. Full of righteous anger, the king has the servant brought before him and says, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? 
And in his anger, the king hands him over, says the text, to be tortured until he should pay his entire debt. As in the previous example, we must point out that the servant cannot possibly come up with hundreds of millions of dollars while being tortured. So presumably, he will pay out his debt in suffering. But wait, isn't this opera about forgiveness? Well, yes, and. It is still a parable, after all, and parables have many levels. At one level, it is about forgiveness. But at, a, at another, it's about justice. And at still another, it has something to say about power. In the end, it may be power that moves the story from the quietly puzzling realm of parable to the grand scale of opera. Powerful characters are larger than life. When a powerful character shows up on stage, we hold our breath and wait to see what kind of power they're carrying and how they will use it. From their choices and how the story plays out, we learn how to use our own power. For each of us could be a character in this story, using power, making choices. Like the king, for example, we have the power to release the debts that are owed to us, provided that, like the king, we're confident that we don't really need to be paid back, provided that we trust that our own stores are sufficient. When someone has hurt us, are we confident that our stores of grace and peace will enable us to move forward fully alive, even if that person never pays us with the apology or the confession or the abject sorrow we are owed. Well, then perhaps we can let it go. Not because what that person has done or has not done is okay, but because we're okay. We are whole, and that is one kind of power. Of course, we also have the power of the wicked servant the power to bully and shame and threaten and even to use violence to get our way. We all have that power, but please, God, let us not use it. Please, God, keep us confident that choking the life out of our debtors is not at all what the kingdom of heaven is like, not when we ourselves have been forgiven so much. Jesus affirms this when he concludes the passage with a stern warning, so my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now this is one of those passages where English can't quite carry the day because English lacks the distinction between singular, singular you and plural you. To make this distinction, Bishop Sam Gray often calls on our Southern plurals. So let me read the passage again, Southern style. So my heavenly Father will also do to all y'all if each of you does not forgive each one's brother or sister from all y'all's heart. All I can make of this is that if each member of the church community does not practice forgiveness, the whole community suffers. Unless we all practice forgiveness is as if none of us practiced forgiveness. And for the power of forgiveness, we draw on the one heart of the church, which is centered 
on Jesus Christ. So while each of us has power as an individual, together we have the power of our community. Never ever underestimate this power. Jesus in his conclusion highlights the community's power to forgive. But in the story, the community also has power to address injustice. The community can decide together what actions are and are not acceptable, what behaviors do and do not serve the common good, what uses of power may and may not stand. In the story Jesus tells, it is the community that brings the wicked servant to justice. So the kingdom of heaven is like that too. The kingdom of heaven is not the same thing as the heaven that we talk about going to when we die. The kingdom of heaven is the reign of God here on earth. And if the kingdom of God is like this story, then hurt and abuse of power and the need for forgiveness are going to exist there too. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a grand and even operatic story in which individuals make choices, the community has power, justice is worth its weight in gold, and the value of infinite mercy cannot be calculated. Amen. <laughs>